I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, Small Business Advanced Tax Planning and Compliance Extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. Uh, Today, we're going to welcome to the podcast, Tracy Bissett. Tracy is on a mission to redefine the world's economic future by increasing the financial literacy of entrepreneurs, also known as financial fitness. With over 20 years of experience in the financial services industry, Tracy can help entrepreneurs across all industries, both online and offline. We're going to get into some of this other stuff here later. Um, So first question for you, though, what was your first job? babysitting babysitting (laughs) that first official job um but i used to want to get money to go to the store so Mm -hmm. when i was like seven eight years old i would have like little lemonade stand i would uh sell newspapers with my friend we made them for the neighborhood we would charge kids to play with us and do all kinds of different (laughs) things so kind of jack of all trades was the first real one i love i love that i think um it just transfer it usually translates those first jobs (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, and I, then I was a waitress for a long time, which is a humbling job and it's hard. Yeah. Um, I actually was on a podcast with somebody where we were talking about waitressing or we were talking about serving, mm-hmm. um, but how it's like, it's your own like first little business. Like it was really kind of an epiphany for me about how serving really is your own like little business that you, you know, you're obviously working for somebody else and you're working in a restaurant, but you have to manage everything and deal with personalities and manage money and manage, you know, like it is your own little personal and as, and as well as you run that section is how much money you make usually. Yeah, for sure. And get um, better sections and whatever. I worked at different places in one place. Like if the customer didn't pay you, you had to pay still. It was really horrible. Yeah. I and had, one time somebody walked out at me. I'm like, Oh my God, all my tips. Like I have to get into my actual wallet and pay out more because I didn't make enough at lunch. Yeah. I don't, I can't think I've only had a couple times where people like didn't tip. And I was mad. Yeah. Imagine um, when they don't pay. Yeah, I can't. I think. It's pretty so, mean as a business owner to do Yeah. That. I think I, I worked for a corporate. Uh, more, more corporate so they've been restaurants. These were, mine were a family run. Yeah. These were more corporate. Not my family. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not your family. <laughs> yeah. These were more, more corporate runs. It was like, you know, if they could determine they really didn't pay, they're like, okay, we got it. That's you don't a good tip, obviously, but we got it. Yeah. Um, so give us the clip notes on your career journey. Um, so I was entrepreneurial in high school. So I did junior achievement, went to business school, BCom, MBA. Then I started working at TD Bank, which is one of Canada's big five mm-hmm. and on the eastern seaboard of the U.S. in commercial lending and then moved into risk management. So either working directly with or in support of entrepreneurs getting the money they needed. And in risk management, I approved loans for every industry all across Canada. Um, so I've seen pretty much everything. Uh, seen how people behave when they don't have money and they need to pay it back. Um, kind of the common pitfalls and really good learning experience. So uh, my job got eliminated and uh, I decided to make my own business. So I took all the things I like to do and put them together. I mean, that's how most of us start out, right? <laughs> we're like, yeah. okay, cool. So we're just gonna do these things we like. Or the thing I find a lot of time with business owners is they just try to do what they were doing in their W-2 job. And they're like, but I hated doing that. Why am I doing that? (laughs) I learned real fast. I was like, we don't do payroll. No payroll. (laughs) 
not worth my time, effort, and your money. (laughs) (laughs) Too much of a pain in the butt for that. Um, So let's talk business and finances because I think we could probably do this all day, but let's just kind of start with the basics. So um, what are some of the biggest mistakes you find entrepreneurs are making when it comes to their business finances? Uh, so the first one is um, just ignoring them, mm-hmm. head in the sand, not thinking about them, uh, really not focused on on the numbers at all. The second one is if they are focused on them, they've hired someone and they think that they've done the right thing, just hired a bookkeeper, an accountant, and just put everything over to them. And they don't look at anything. They don't talk to them, except maybe once a year, once a month, and um, just really advocate that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the two big ones. Um, the third one I see is a lot of commingling of personal and business expenses together. And then when things are a mess, you don't know, is my business failing? Um, is there something wrong in my personal life? Am I just taking too much money out? You can't really pinpoint the issue. So those are a couple of the big ones. I would concur <laughs> with all of those. Um, yeah, we had, actually I had a couple of Jesus, one of our clients during tax season because, um, we send him monthly financials and then at tax season, he's like, Oh, well, did you get this expense and that expense and this one? And I'm just like, we sent you monthly financials. Do you have access to all of this? I'm not doing this anymore. Um, I was like, you need to be paying attention to your stuff monthly. Like, I don't care what you're looking at, but we send it to you. If it's not right, we need to know. (laughs) Yeah. Don't tell me on April 15th that we missed some expenses that you forgot to tell us about. I'm not, I'm not changing everything. Cause I just did all your work papers for your tax return. <laughs> Cause we do literally full work papers. Like mm-hmm. if somebody audited that tax returns, I'd just be like, here's your file. Here's how we tied everything out. <laughs> That's great. It's like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not redoing everything for $1,200 of expenses we missed. Um, but I think that's the biggest one is the ignoring or the handing it to somebody and then never looking at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's where we find, you know, the biggest issues come up is, you know, people are surprised at the end of the year. Um, we do yearly tax planning with all of our clients though. So that kind of helps usually because then they're like, oh, those are my numbers for the year. Or, <laughs> or I'll be like, what is going on with these numbers? So at least, you know, we're checking in, you know, at least once a year, um, if not doing, you know, their bookkeeping on top of you know, helping them do that. Um, the co-mingling is a huge issue, I find, especially if you're handing it to somebody and they don't know what it is. Um, Which is so impossible for them to know. Yeah. I mean, although I have, a, I had a client where I was going through their books and it's just him and like one other, maybe one other contractor. And there's like all these like flights and there's like five of them at a time. I'm like, okay, is this your whole family? <laughs> This this doesn't make any sense, you know, (laughs) and I think people just don't, they just don't understand what's business and what's personal. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can't pay your personal stuff out of your business. I mean, you can, but that's a really good way to mess up your taxes and some of your other stuff, depending on your partner. (laughs) It's a mess. It's a whole mess. I always, my first question is always like, do you have a separate business account? Do you only use it for business? (laughs) The occasional, the occasional like, grab the run card is fine. I do that every once in a while, but no, 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 no. This is not your personal bank account. Your business is not your personal <laughs> bank account. I bet you would say that is probably one of the biggest mistakes you see. Absolutely. And um, when I start working with clients, um, 
couple themes that come up. They're stressed about money, they're worried about making payroll, and they are talking about how they're never getting a consistent paycheck. Mm -hmm. And um, if you don't know the numbers, you can't see where the problem is. So you can't see um, how to make more money. And it's usually on pricing. I would say 80 to 85% of the people I work with are losing money on their product or service and don't even know. So let's talk about pricing. We'll come back to some of these other, other things because um, pricing is one of my favorite topics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the topics I spend the most in in the accounting industry um, because there's just too many people underpricing. Um, so let's talk about um, what are some of those biggest mistakes that you find with small businesses and their pricing um, and how they price. So usually they're just picking a number. It's kind of random. Yes. This is what I think I'm going to sell it for. And I, I usually encourage two approaches to come at the price. Um, first, actually sit down, even with just piece of paper, mm-hmm. figure out all the costs that go into delivering this product or service. So because you sell it, what are the things that you've got to pay out? And the, the one that's usually lacking is the entrepreneur's time, especially in a service-based industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not thinking about, they're like, well, it's just my time. Well, I always encourage people to think about what if you had to pay someone else to start doing what you're doing? How much would you pay that person? Mm -hmm. Because then we're really going to see if this works. Then you've got all the stuff you have to pay just because you're in business, your internet, your utilities, maybe you're paying rent and you can get to some kind of percentage that, that covers off overhead that you put on everything. And then typically you're going to have some kind of target profit margin. But even if you add up those two numbers, you have a base. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to look to the market and see, okay, does somebody want to buy what I'm selling? Number one, uh, if they do, who are they? Um, and what's the right price for them? How much are they going to pay for this? Mm-hmm. Because if you just add up your wish list of how much you want to charge without any thought for what they might pay, you're probably going to get into some disconnect where you want them to pay up here and they want to pay down there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always encourage entrepreneurs to really do that business plan up front validate the idea, validate the who in terms of the target client and how much they're actually willing to pay. And uh, I will tell business owners, if you get to the end of a business plan and you don't think you should go into the business, that's okay. And that's an acceptable outcome Mm -hmm. because you've saved yourself so much time, either debt or your savings. And maybe you can pivot your idea. Maybe you can charge more by um, tailoring it to a different clientele. Mm -hmm. Uh, But knowing that stuff up front is super key. And then once you get into business and you get going, you've got to monitor that those costs stay where you think they are um, because everything in life pretty much gets more expensive. So if your prices are staying steady or actually going down because you're trying to beat out the competition for something, um, that's just going to compound the issue. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the biggest you know, one of the biggest things I usually talk to people about, I love, I love conversations around pricing because I'm always like, but what else do you bring to the table? But, you know, what else do you have that, you know, TurboTax doesn't have or whatever? Because we, especially in the accounting industry, we, our competition looks like to a lot of people like H&R Block or like mm-hmm. automated solutions. But we don't really think about what that looks like for the client. So one of the things I always talk to people about is like, if they did this on TurboTax, how long would it take them? 10 hours, 20 hours? <laughs> right? What do they do, right? So maybe their contractor or veterinarian or whatever, what's their kind of hourly look like, right? That's right. So that's their price. That's their time value of money for this, you know, for this service. And you can do it better, more accurate, make sure they're not going to get audited. Like, and like we do full work papers, you know, making sure everything's coached before it goes into the tax return. 
they don't have that skill set. They're not supposed to have that skill set, right? That's right. And so what they know what they're signing is quality product. A lot of the time, if you charge more, <laughs> or at least we hope so, at least from what I can tell a lot of the time, it's more quality sure. product. And uh, usually what's coming up for people is they're thinking inside, I can't possibly charge that much for me. Mm-hmm. And it brings up so many money mindset issues and the psychology is in there. And, um, and anybody who's listening shouldn't feel bad because um, all have them. majority of the population in the whole world has a scarcity mindset. And so mm-hmm. everybody feels like that, but do your homework, look at your competitors. If what you're offering truly is better, mm-hmm. charge more and that's okay. Yeah. Because you're able to articulate that value. I love it. So let's talk about some of those money mindset stuff. Cause I know that's like a whole ball of wax probably. Um, you know, we all have, like you just said, we all have money stuff. I know I do. Um, my dad, my dad, my mom and dad got divorced when I was young and my mom really wasn't working. And so like we were going to food banks and like we couldn't afford stuff. And you know, while they were trying to figure out who's living where and how's, you know, how's all this stuff working. Um, and my mom, um, she's just always been like super frugal. So I've actually gone the other way. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the, oh, well, if I have it and I want it and I have the money, I'm just going to buy it. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of gone like the other way um, for me and cultivating more of an abundance than a, I'm spending it now while I have it. Like those are two different things. Uh, has been kind of a struggle for me, but I watch our business owners a lot of the time in the scarcity mindset Mm -hmm. Um, and how, and so just kind of, I want you to kind of talk about how does the scarcity mindset hinder us, hinder a business owner from growing? So if you're in business, you likely you're doing it to get paid well, Mm -hmm. more than just get paid at a salary, like if you were working for someone else. Mm -hmm. And so you really want to think about how can you maximize the opportunities? How can you leverage um, the growth? And it's not that you need to scale into some huge business, but you do want to be making more than um, if you were just working for someone else, because you are taking on more risk. So it's really key. Uh, So a couple ways to cultivate that transition from kind of scarcity to abundance. Um, Number one, be grateful. Mm -hmm. So be grateful for the things that you have. Even if it's when you wake up, I woke up today. um, I have clean clothes to put on. I've got food to eat. And it sounds kind of hokey and silly, but the more you cultivate thinking about those positive aspects, the less time you have in your mind to think about things that are going to go wrong, the worry. Mm -hmm. If you've got concerns around money, you've got to start talking about them. And um, one of the big places where that stuff comes up is if you're in a couple. So usually everybody's raised differently and everyone's bringing their own mindsets and your views form really, really young. I'd say by five and six years of age, you've got your views. And so you might not want to use those in your future. Like you talked about, Jamie, you went the opposite way Mm -hmm. uh, from what you were raised to and what you saw. So um, when you bring that to another person, you've got to deal with that. And so sometimes you've got to deal with money stuff together. And even though it's outside of your business, but you've got to, get that practice in. And then I'm sure you've heard it, but um, the way you behave and the way you grow, it's really a function of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. Mm -hmm. Spend your time with people who are positive, who look for solutions, who are always um, looking for 
ways to make a situation better. Um, because as a business owner, you're really in the business of taking calculated risks. I'm not asking you to take any crazy risks, but I want you to analyze things, get someone to help you analyze it if you need it, and then make a bet on yourself. If you've gotten this far, um, usually you can rely on yourself and you'll be able to pull those results through, but you've got to have faith. And you've got to think about the positive, not kind of naively with facts to back you up, but uh, then really focus on that. So uh, it's not something that's going to change overnight. You certainly are going to have to make it a daily practice, um, but you will start to feel more positive. Um, the very first step even is to, as something happens, even if you get a bill pops into your email box and you get that pit in your stomach, just observe it. Okay. That bill came in. I don't feel so good. Mm -hmm. Keep observing for a little while, then all of a sudden you'll be like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Moving on, next thing. Uh, but until you know how you're thinking about your body reacts to things, um, you won't be able to make any changes. Um, I've said this on the podcast before, but one of, one of the things I did real fast as a business owner is just pay those bills. Um, you know, I have other small business owners that work with me that are my vendors that help me with stuff. And the thing I always do is just pay it as soon as it comes up or as soon as it's due, I just pay it. And I do it, I do it in a way that's just like, thanks for taking care of us. Um, because that has come around. Um, because if I can happily pay other people, then people will happily pay me at some point. Um, yeah, I have to say I'm much the same way. And even though I, I'm a huge practitioner about managing cash flow and I'm always on my clients about managing cash flow. Yeah. I personally like to pay my bills as soon as I get them, even if I do have some time to do it for the mm -hmm. exact same reason you said. Mm -hmm. um, keep the good karma out there, keep money flowing in the economy, keep things yeah. going around. I mean, it's good faith, right? Um, yeah. and, and, and it's so funny because I always, because I generally work with small business owners, right? So sometimes I'm just like, hey guys, where's my bill? I pay you this yeah. time every year. Where's my bill? <laughs> you know, it's like, I want to pay you. Um, you Emily, my, my amazing uh, virtual assistant every month. I'm like, where's your bill? Yeah. You know, she's like, I'm coming. It's coming. I just <laughs> didn't want to, I was like, send it to me. I will deal with the cash on my end. Sure. You know, she's like, I know, like, we're fine. The business has been fine through COVID. Um, and we even, I even got the EI deal loan because I was like, just in case we need some cash flow. I was like, I'm going to pay you for taking care of me. <laughs> for sure. So you will continue to take care of me. Um, and I found that that just has created so much goodwill. Like we're building, I think, my fourth website right now. So we're in the process of putting the CPA firm and the um, podcast all on the same website. Um, and my, my designer is waiting for me because she's like, oh, it's Jamie. We're going to get it done. Right? because she knows how I roll. I'm going to pay you. <laughs> You're not gonna, you might wait for me on some of the content and stuff. Yeah. But I'm going to pay People you. wait for me on content, but yeah, <laughs> not on money. <laughs> That's right. That's right. If you need me to like think through stuff or write stuff up, then it might take a little bit, but I will pay you mm -hmm. as soon as I get your invoice. Um, and it just, it creates such goodwill. Um, you know, and there's people who provide me services that they don't do anymore for anybody else because I pay them because I appreciate them. So that's really the key. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because we have so much ah, pricing and money mindset and all of that. But it's like, if you just pay people, it's just a really easy way to create really good karma, like that really good abundant mindset stuff too. Cause you, that's, that's a practice for you mm -hmm. and your, in your mindset. 
The challenge comes though when you're not charging enough and then you don't have the cash flow. So even though you have the intention, you can't make it happen. Yeah. And I think, you know, it is hard, um, especially as small business owners, we spend a lot of time, a lot of the time we start with like friends and family. Mm -hmm. So why don't you talk about that? Um, Because I think you probably have things to say about, you know, who is your customer? How do we draw boundaries around that? Um, and then how do we draw brownies around our pricing with, um, with, with boundary crashers who think that because they're <laughs> friends or family, they get, you know, they get some kind of fun discount. <laughs> for sure. So I think it's great for family and friends to be supportive. Mm-hmm. I am not a fan of business owners taking money from friends and family pretty much ever. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you can know with 100% certainty when you can pay them back. And this goes personally too. If somebody needs you to pay that money back on a certain day, I think it's um, very irresponsible if you can't know with certainty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because not only are you going to damage potentially your business, but now it's your relationship. You may be harming something else in their life. So um, if you can't get the funds anywhere else, maybe you're doing it, uh, but you're also having that conversation that goes along with it. I thank you for putting your trust in me. You do know it's a calculated risk. I cannot guarantee when it's going to come back Mm -hmm. um, so that nobody's angry later and that it doesn't cause any issues. Um, With clients, I mean, certainly um, I make it known to friends of mine, um, happy to help here and there. Mm -hmm maybe cup of coffee, that amount of time frame. Um, but if we want to do some coaching together and you want me to look at your business, um, the way that I um, fund my life is by charging clients. So um, sometimes I would rather um, do something totally voluntarily than doing it at a discounted price. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you are making money and you're profitable, then you can make choices about what you do with your time and your money. And so I'm always advocating for everybody to make as much money as they can, mm-hmm. not so they're hoarding it, but that they have that freedom and choice in their Mm -hmm. lives about what they do with the money and how they do it and when they're working. Yeah. And you, and you, and you, um, once you have the money, you have the time and that's, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people kind of miss that. Um, they miss that time is the only thing we can't get more of, but we can always get more money. Yeah. Especially when you're good at what you do and you priced it right, you can always earn more money. Um, So there's a bunch of things I won't do um, because I don't like to, and it's faster for someone else to do it. So I'm going to pay them to do it Um, by charging the right prices. I'm able to take time to either volunteer my services uh, pro bono for people to get some assistance, Mm -hmm. or I'm just going to go and volunteer my time and um, do some things. So my dog and I are a therapy dog team usually without, uh, with no COVID, we're every Friday afternoon at the senior center and we're visiting the seniors. And I can do that because I don't need to work every single hour of every day in a revenue production capacity because I'm managing the way things are. And then I get to choose. So that's huge. And, you know, and I think a lot of the things too, that we, we have the ability to choose to do like podcasting, which doesn't pay me anything. I pay to do this. Right for the privilege. Yeah, I favor the privilege of, you know, my producer and my editor and my VA. And like, this takes a whole team to run and we don't do ads. We don't, you know, we don't do any of that. You know, the whole purpose is to get good content out of there, out out there for people. Uh, And I, again, I favor the privilege of that, but because I have the time or I've made the time because it's important to me to continue to do this um, and to provide good content. 
The other thing I find typically with women business owners, especially is they want to have a little business. And they talk about having this little business, but a little business has as much headaches as the bigger one because you often don't have any process in place. You don't have anybody supporting you in any capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, So set your goals, however you do want to have your business, but don't always be thinking about making it small or making it little. Um, Because if you do get to the size where you can hire people, now you're creating employment in your community, you're circulating more money into the economy and you will have more support. So it can actually run if you're not even going to work as much potentially. Yeah. I, and it's, that's actually really funny because I originally was like, I just want it to be me. I'm going to do, you know, 50 clients on my own. Like that's, that's what I want. And then I was like, Oh, that means I work 24. (laughs) like I quickly figured out that that was not going to work out for me because in the long run I want to do what I think is fun in this business and have other people doing what they think is fun in this business you know in a way that's really good and sustainable for them and women too tend to hire other women Mm -hmm. and even you know create environments that are kid friendly and sustainability friendly and money friendly and like women owning businesses is really super important. Um, You know, and you and I were kind of talking about, you know, the indigenous communities in Canada, them owning businesses in which they can hire their fans and family and create wealth within those is really important. We can create a brand new generation of wealth by employing people. Yes. Well, and having, you know, the ability for people to create businesses, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and we're all not a cog in somebody else's wheel. That's right. I mean, I work with young people as well. So I focus a lot of my work on entrepreneurs, but Mm -hmm. for young people, um, really want to showcase all the different paths to success. Nobody's going to be getting this 40 year career where you work for someone else. It's just not happening anymore. Mm -hmm. So if you can do it, if you are inclined, you aspire to be an entrepreneur, um, do the research, build your business plan, and then give it everything you've got. Um, especially when you're young and you can take a little bit more risk with it um, because you don't have as much to lose at that point. Yeah. It's very interesting that whole conversation around the, you know, being a 40 hour a week and employee. And, um, you know, we actually, we, we were just up in the mountains last week and we went with some friends who have also been social distancing. Thank God. Cause I was like, I'm losing my mind, you guys. <laughs> um, and he's always been an employee and he works in these like amazing startup companies. And I was like, but you're always going to be an employee. You know, and my husband also, like, he he's an engineer, probably always being an employee. And I'm like, nope, can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I and once, like you, once you get out on your own, then it's very hard to take direction from others in a strong way. It's different when it's a client informing mm-hmm. you the way that they want to be served. Mm-hmm. Um, that's different. But uh, uh, entrepreneurship's not for everybody. So if you think it might be for you, though, it's worth checking it out. We are rare breeds. Um, but I also think there's more of us than people think a lot of the time. You know? And it doesn't have to be something you're born with. You can no. learn it. You can learn sales. Um, when I was a kid, I, w- I did like to hustle and sell things. Um, but for decades, I worked in banking and I was in risk management. So very, very conservative. <laughs> like that's, not, that's not hustling and selling things. That's no. Nope. Yeah. Well, constructively, how can we do the deal and and how can we get there? But everybody can learn every skill. So you shouldn't feel like wherever you are now is the only skill set you're going to (laughs) have. I think that's really true. It's so funny when you say like, you were always hustling. My daughter is always hustling. She she wants her bedroom redone for her her birthday. Her birthday is next month. 
And she's like, well, I want this like bunk bed thing. Like she wants the loft bed with the desk underneath, but we're like, our ceilings aren't that high. And like, there's the fan and the thing. And she goes, okay, so dad, here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so I know we can raise the roof. Or we can raise my ceiling. <laughs> I love it. I love to hear the little brain thinking like that. She's got one of those just like, she's always hustling. She, she's the kid who sold like a little pack of Cheetos to some other kid at school for like 10 bucks. Oh, wow. Or it was like, it was an exorbitant amount of money. And I was like, I'm having mixed feelings right now. <laughs> On the one hand, it's price gouging. On the other hand, I'm very proud of you for your persuasiveness. Good job, kiddo. I just had the same thing conversation with my niece who um, sells beaded bracelets. Um, and she um, decided if we didn't pay her within one day, she was going to charge us like a $4 surcharge on the $2 bracelet. Not really thinking mm -hmm. that that price gouging was unacceptable, but um, proud on one side, having a chat on the other. <laughs> well, I, you know, it was so funny because my, my mother-in-law was like, we should talk to the parents and give them the money back. And I was like, whoa, first of all, whoa. <laughs> if I'm assuming if this is this kid's money and he gets to choose what to do with it, because mm -hmm. if he was my kid, he would get to choose what to do with it. You want to blow it? Go blow it. That's right. $10 for a bag of Cheetos? Yeah, it must be valuable enough to you, apparently. Um, I was like, let's wait and see what happens. If the parents come back or the kid comes back, then we'll have that conversation. I said, but, you know, my daughter and I talked about the value of a bag of Cheetos or the tiny bag of Cheetos, <laughs> you know. Except though, in that moment, he could have been super hungry. There could have been no other things to eat. That's and right. in that moment, it was worth $10. Yeah. And I think we all prioritize different things yeah. with our money, right? So it was really good, like a good conversation with her about like, we all have different money priorities. This is what it was worth you to sell it to him he thought that price was good like fair exchange really what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love to go to concerts um and I spend a lot of money on concerts and a lot of people would challenge me on that and say that's a waste of money but yeah. if I'm living within my means and that's important to me I get to choose what I want to do with it mm -hmm. so it's nobody else's business you might think it's silly but that that's fine um, but if I'm taking care of myself, I can, can do what I want to do. One of my, uh, one of my really good friends, she travels around to see you too. Like that's their thing. Like, <laughs> she does like 10 U2 concerts a year in different cities, like all over the world. Um, okay, cool. Like I, that's not my jam. Mm -hmm. I buy lots of makeup, but you know, like we all have our stuff. My, that's my, right. you know, my husband likes to buy bikes, you know, cause Apparently you always need more bikes. <laughs> Everybody's got something, but if you're living within your means and you're, you're saving for the future, all good. Um, so let's talk. I wanted to talk about, so what are some tools that you help entrepreneurs create or obtain um, to understand their business finances? Uh, so I like to help them create cash flow forecasts and Excel is the really most basic, most straightforward way to do it. I mean, if your cash flow is even simpler, I don't mind if you get started pen and paper, um, just so you can map out the concepts because math isn't too complicated. You can get your head around it. Cash flows, money Plus in, money out, um, the timing that it happens. And that that's as simple as it is. So do that cash flow forecasting, knowing we don't have crystal balls or we would all be doing something else. If we knew mm -hmm. what was going to happen. That's why it's forecasting. Um, I always tell people, right. this is just best guesses. Yeah. 
at best educated guesses based on what happened before in our business, what we know is going on in the economy and where mm -hmm. we think things will go. Um, creating a dashboard is really important. So you can focus on those bright light metrics um, that are important for your industry and your business. Mm -hmm. Not everybody needs to care about every single financial ratio. There's a couple key ones that um, will be more relevant. And um, then certainly seeing that in a visual format is really great so that you can take away some of that number anxiety and just look at the trending. Um, because not only are you looking at trending year over year or month over month in your business, but it may be to what's going on in the industry. And am I keeping up? Am I behind? Things like that. So keeping it simple and it's more about the learning mm -hmm. um, so that you can use those numbers to fuel your growth, to help you hit the goals that you have in your business. So the more you can understand at a high level um, and how the levers work together, the mm -hmm. more successful you're going to be in taking your business where you want it to go. I really like that. Um, you know, one of the biggest things we usually see is people are like, well, I have cash today, yeah. five seconds ago okay, well, you have payroll that's due in a week and then you have some clients that are going to be paying you, but you also have this loan that's due. And like, really, people don't, they really don't understand that cash flow. And so going through those exercises are really important for them. Mm -hmm. um, but just to kind of show them like, here's kind of your ins and outs for the month. Yeah, um, and I see people doing that in their head. And that's really exhausting, especially if you're in some kind of business where you've got to be creative and mm -hmm. deliver things from a place of creativity for your clients. If you're mm -hmm. trying to mentally keep all those numbers straight, okay, payrolls Thursday, the rents next week, like that's just draining and it's emotionally draining. So let's get it down on paper. Mm -hmm. Let's look at it when we need to. And then we can relieve that, that pressure out of our heads. And yeah. I can see from clients like the anxiety just lifts off their shoulders um, when that stress is there. So yeah. take a break from the numbers. <laughs> I love it. I mean, also like also understand that mostly just accountants should just be looking at their cash and because we know what's happening in the next six to 10 months usually in our brains. <laughs> Yeah. You know, we can probably do that math. I mean, yeah, I can my, keep the mental math. Yeah. No problem look, in my business. Look, but. Yeah. I'll look at my cash and go, mm, not going to have quite enough. Or, oh, I need to transfer for payroll. Or, like, because I just know it's coming. Mm -hmm. And I can do that in my head, but most business owners can't and shouldn't do that. That's I totally, right. I totally agree with that. Um, the cash flow is so important. Um, and I think it's something that's missed a lot because business owners don't understand cash flow, nor do they understand balance sheets usually, but the one thing I can say is uh, a lot of times when clients come to work with me, they'll say, you know, Tracy, I don't know anything about money. I don't know anything about the numbers. Mm -hmm. I'm really just not good at this. Mm -hmm. And I will say, well, how long have you been in business? And if that time frame is over four or five months and you've been around two years, five years, 10 years, uh, I will tell them to give themselves a pat on the back because you do know how to manage cash flow. Yep. You might not talk about it like I do. You might not manage it in an efficient way, but you're doing it and you should be proud of yourself because you're keeping that business going. Mm -hmm. So whether it's super stressful to do it the way you're doing it, um, you're doing it. So be yeah. proud of yourself. You're not a disaster at everything. You do have this foundation that we can build on. And I find when we talk about financial literacy, it's so negative. It's coming from this illiterate place that there's nothing that you know, but mm -hmm. I like to talk about financial fitness. So we're just adding on to the positives and keeping, um, keep going on that journey to get more and more knowledge so we can do even better in our, our businesses. Well, and that's so important. And I always tell business owners, you get this far, mm -hmm. right? Like you already got this far and you manage your life fine. 
or you manage the business doing this piece, fine. Like, let's just, you know, we're all learning all the time. That's right. Especially as small business owners, like we just came in, we usually just come into this with like our trade and then we're like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah. I was an expert at the bank in like credit analysis, risk yeah. management, um, structuring loans. And then when I got in my business, I'm like, wow, I don't know even how to go about getting the website. I don't know a lot about social media. I don't know a lot about a lot of things. So mm-hmm. everybody needs help with something and um, there's no shame in, in getting the support that you need. Yeah. And I always, and I always tell business owners, you do what you do and I do what I do. And if we all did what I did, it would be super boring. <laughs> this world would be a really boring place. Well, there wouldn't be enough customers for all of us either. Right. There so we've got to do different things. Yeah. You got to learn how to, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so what, so let's just kind of talk about sustainable cash flow. Um, so what are some of, you know, your biggest tools for helping your business owners create some sustainable cash flow for now in a good economy or mm-hmm. now in crisis? Cause that's so, where we're really seeing. Yeah. That's where we're really seeing the rubber hit the road for a lot of businesses right now. So a lot of companies try to get more profitable or be leaner on their cash flow spend by cutting expenses. Mm-hmm. And you can do some of that, but that's not going to be the overall path. I mean, there's only so much you can cut and um, in a business, you do need to keep things going. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's all about focusing on the revenue. Um, as much as you can get some that is recurring. If you can do something with a client every month, uh, if you can bring them into a new product or service that you have, if you can increase the price or just sell more, those are all ways to bring more cash in. Um, I have a, two partners that I'm working with now in a business and um, we've been really brainstorming because a lot of their business is geared around inventory. So there's that huge component of paying up front before the inventory comes and that's a big cash drain well, what else can you offer or do you have to offer that we can maybe push more, more to the forefront that doesn't attract any expenses? So they do have several digital offerings. So they're going to be putting those more front and center for a while, bring in that cash. And then they can choose to decide, yeah, we're going to go heavy on inventory again, or no, we're going to start getting paid properly, or uh, we're going to do a combination of both. Yeah, that's really interesting. I actually, so I order a ton of stuff online because I love to online shop and I ordered these lip like these lip things months ago mm-hmm. and it was a pre-order. I think they're going to finally ship them at the end of this month. So my money went out before they, I think before they ordered the inventory and I've never purchased anything like that, but I did understand when I did it, that it was a pre-order. Right. And there's, uh, a, there's a risk in that. So yeah, but it's lipstick. Like if I don't get my $20 worth of lipstick, I'm going to probably be okay with that. Um, but it's just very interesting the way that this, like, cause she sends weekly emails and she's like, here's what's going on with this. And mm-hmm. now they're here and we're unpacking them. And it's just like, I didn't even like, usually I buy stuff and it's here and next day <laughs> <laughs> or lost at UPS. I had to go to UPS yesterday because <laughs> But with COVID, everything coming out of um, China uh, really delayed and just everything kind of locked down. So Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, it's been interesting. We have whole things going on with post service right now. Um, but One thing um, to just to jump on that is yeah. another really important thing that came up during COVID, I noticed with um, a lot of 
individuals and businesses I was talking to in Canada is that people would say, you know, I'm not going to apply for that government support or I'm not going to apply for that loan I can get at the bank. Mm -hmm. And I would say, why? Like, do you qualify? Mm -hmm. And so if you qualify, like, I think there's always a reason to strengthen your cash flow. Maybe you get the money and you just put it in your bank account and you keep it because we don't know where we're going. We don't know if you need that money in six months. Maybe you get it and you're actually seeing an opportunity that opened up because of a change in the economy or the environment. And now you can actually use those funds to help you hit that new niche really hard. And I've had clients who've done both of those different things, but the first step is to get anything you're actually eligible for. Uh, and don't be thinking of leaving it for other people. You don't need to be a martyr. It's no, there's no uh, benefit to being selfless. I mean, certainly we know we're going to be paying for all of this through our taxes. Um, so if you qualify, get the money and build up cash reserves. Um, any amount is better than none. And we certainly know companies with some cash, low debt are going to survive um, uncertain situations a lot better. Yeah, it was very interesting because, you know, we have our own we have our own couple of, you know, options. There's actually a few like through the States and some different grants and stuff. Um, plus the unemployment options. Um, and, you know, kind of weighing that, helping people understand what's happening mm-hmm. and weighing those things. And I'm like, worst case scenario, it's a really low interest loan. You know, I didn't apply for one of them because it's a payroll based and it's just me. And I had one like mm-hmm. super part-time person. And I was like, that money doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, but one of them is a 30 year loan at 3.75%. We had an amazing one. You could get 40,000, um, interest free. If you pay back 75% within two and two and a half years, you get 25% of it forgiven. So 10,000 free money. Wow. Yeah. So people were not applying. I'm like, well, just get it and put it in your bank account. And then when you can bank payments, pay it with that. Yeah. so yeah. being open and, and it comes back to having the right counsel, the right advice, talk mm-hmm. to professionals in that space. You don't need to know all the answers. Mm-hmm. So if you're coming up with a decision about your financial situation and you really don't know a lot about it, get another opinion to help you, um, just to guide you. And it's not that I'm encouraging people to take on lots of debt because certainly that's not the message here. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything you can do to strengthen cash flow is certainly uh, worth considering. Absolutely agree with that. We've also had situations where like these loans are based on profit. If you have no profit, then just go apply for unemployment. Like I tell people, I was like, what? There's nothing there. <laughs> you're not, you're not running a profitable business to begin with. So there's really nothing to loan you, you know, there's really no payroll to cover or, you know, the, these 30 year loans at 3.75%, they're based on, you know, your total, um, your cogs. So your profit margin. If you don't have a profit margin, <laughs> can't work. It doesn't work. Go apply for unemployment. Yeah, that's and so, probably we're going to get more the most money to help you along here. Yeah, and it might be. Um, it's never fun to do, but it might be a good time to take that hard look at your business. If things were really struggling before, when things were okay, mm-hmm. should you take more debt? Should you layer on more? Um, potential hardship onto the business. Maybe it's the time that the business stops uh, if you can't pivot into something that's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are hard conversations to have, but you may Great. save yourself a lot of stress and anxiety down the road by handling it now. Yeah, I think, um, and I keep saying, you know, this is kind of ride or die. You know, the businesses that are going to survive are the businesses that, you know, are really kind of set up to. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are going to die are probably ones they sh- that should anyway, that are only threat or only 
living or thriving just because it's a good economy. You know, it's time to get out now. Let's bail. Let's do it. Let's file that final tax return and move on with our lives. Yeah. For for you and for me, because it's not fun to watch you flounder. You know, like we love to, we love to work with growing businesses. That's just the funnest thing for us. You know, we love to watch Mm -hmm. our businesses grow and expand and change. And this, the funnest part of all of this COVID stuff has been watching our, our, you know, especially like our super in-person service-based people just pivoting, changing how they do things and changing their processes and changing their systems and changing how they help people. And it's just so fun because it's like, now you have all these like tools and options, you know, one of them is a music store. They were doing like drive-by recitals. Oh, cool. It's really cool. And I was like, well, and now you have online teaching too. So you can do online and in person when we can do right. go back to that. You know, you're just, you're expanding your offerings um, kind of under pressure, but I always work better under fire. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I create my own Give fires. me a deadline and I'll be. I'll yeah, be I, I usually create my own fires. I'm usually sliding into podcasts like 10 minutes before doing my prep really fast, but that's because it works for me. Yeah. Um, my, my producer at one point was like, you're not ready yet? I was like, nope, hold on. <laughs> Two minutes. <laughs> but then it's real and it's current. <laughs> it's current questions I might have. That's right. That I think are interesting. Awesome, Tracy. Okay, last question. Uh, or well, actually before that, what is the easiest way to, for people to find you? Um, so I'd love for people to connect with me on LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. Tracy has an EY and it's visit two S's, two T's. I'd love to hear any questions, comments, and I do have a gift to offer your audience because we do want everybody to get focused on their numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a money meeting agenda that you can download mm-hmm. at cashcoach.biz. So it will help you get started right away today. If you've been kind of avoiding your numbers or you just don't know where to start, I highly recommend having a, a weekly meeting, 30 minutes, make it a part of your routine and the agenda will help you get started. Yeah. Well, even if, even if the first meeting is only looking at the agenda. So. And going, Oh God, now I have to figure out what my numbers are. <laughs> right, you will okay, feel we'll way see. better. Cause I find that uh, clients generally overestimate the magnitude of the problems mm-hmm. because they don't know. And so yeah. once you can quantify a problem, you can certainly solve it. I think, I, th- I think that's very, very true. Um, or they underestimate, um, or they underestimate how big the problem is. <laughs> One of the yeah. two. We either completely have our head in the sand on what probably should be. Yeah, if you're worried, you're probably worrying too much. It's yeah. usually my experience. And if yeah, uh, I think that's the true. sooner you know the problem, you can come up with way more solutions to solve it. And we'll drop all that stuff in the um, description box. Awesome. Awesome. All right, last question. So you might actually just answer with what you said, but. Um, what is the one thing every business owner needs to do today to get on a better path financially? Uh, so take one step forward every single day so you can move on your financial fitness journey and be sure to be kind to yourself. So if you do have a day where you make a misstep, that's okay. Regroup, focus yeah. again tomorrow. So it's all about the journey and continuing uh, to get better. So be I love kind that. And, and keep trying. Yeah, I mean, one, one bite at a time. Anytime I'm like freaking out, my mom's like, Jamie, elephant bite time. Okay, mom, Jeez, <laughs> My mom does all the bookkeeping for our clients. So she's around a lot. Um, it's true. And it is very true. And I, and I love what you said about having those, you know, those five people or having those mentors. I have spent more money on mentors in this business than I think I've spent on pretty much anything else. And it's the 
only reason we're still here because <laughs> having the people in my life to push me um, has been the most invaluable money I've spent. Um, for the positivity, the challenge, the personal um, growth, being able to, to see the stuff you can't see yet. Like it's really amazing. The personal growth. Um, I mean, just personal, personal growth has been huge. Um, and that can only translate to more success eventually. For sure. Awesome. So thank you very much. Thank you. It's been today. so fun, Jamie. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.